This is Retail Retold, the story of how that store ended up in your neighborhood. I'm your host, Chris Ressa, and I invite you to join my conversation with some of the retail industry's biggest influencers. This podcast is brought to you by DLC Management. Welcome to Retail Retold, everyone. I'm your host, Chris Ressa, and today I'm joined by Vadim Ray. Vadim is a former Navy officer and the founder of Fairwinds Capital. I'm excited for him to be here. Welcome to the show, Vadim. Thanks, Chris. Good to be here. So, Vadim, give me a little bit, give the audience a little bit about who you are, where you're from, and a little bit about your story. Intro level. We'll get in deeper. Yeah, sounds good. Happy to do so. So I was born in Ukraine, grew up in LA, went to college in Boston, and then joined the Navy and served out of the DC area and then in Norfolk, Virginia. I just got out of the Navy earlier this year. And over the last couple of years, I've been in the commercial real estate world. I got started when I was active duty in the Navy, knowing that I was going to get out. I wanted to set myself up with um, my new life. And so I started in the commercial real estate space particularly in multifamily where I knew I could make an impact while working for myself, a positive impact while working for myself. And so I went into that and haven't looked back since. I have a million questions for you, but before we get there, I ask every guest three, we call this clear the air. Let's do it. All right. Question one, what is one skill you don't possess, but wish you did? You know, I don't think about that much. Uh, I've been very inclined to think about the who, not how uh, mindset. And so I don't worry about not having any skills. I, I focus on who I know or who I can know to help me out. Interesting. I'm going to challenge you though. If there's yeah. one thing you wish you could do, you personally, what do you wish you could do? Time travel. Time travel. Yeah. That's an interesting skill. All right. Yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll give you that one. I'll give you that one. <laughs> Question two. When is the last time you tried something for the first time? About two weeks ago, I was on a motorcycle trip uh, across the Adriatic. Wow. Yeah. That's a cool trip. Yeah, it was awesome. Yeah, I did a whole week. Uh, it was a guided tour uh, through um, actually um, a Navy buddy of mine uh, who's also a real estate investor and uh, his motorcycle buddies. So we got out there and rode around for a week from Austria through Slovenia, Croatia, Bosnia, back to Croatia, back to Slovenia, back to Austria. And that's fantastic. The, I'm sure the sites were amazing. Yeah. Uh, it's a really cool trip. Anyone get in trouble? Um, we, we did have a small accident. Um, okay. everyone was safe. All right. Um, yeah. Ambulance came out, police came out, but everything worked out just fine. That wasn't the trouble I was talking about, but yeah. I, I, oh, I, that kind of trouble. I, I can't speak to that on there. All right. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, too funny, but that is a really cool trip. Um, last question. What is one thing most people agree with, but you do not? Hmm. Um, the mindset of working for the rest of your life in order to retire at 65 or whatever, over 50 age, a lot of people decide to 
uh, make sense of. Um, life's too short to, to do something you don't enjoy just to then spend the last good years of your life enjoying what you do enjoy. And so that's why I, I've chosen the lifestyle I have now where I'm living my best life every day. I'm not going to wait until I'm done working at some job to, to enjoy the rest of my life. Sure. Okay. So appreciate you playing that fun game with me. Uh, been in the commercial real estate a long time. Don't hear a ton about vets entering the space. And Fairwinds, if I have it right, is a vet-owned real estate company. So it's you and two other owners of the business who were in the Navy, Merchant Marines, and is that yeah. right? Yeah, yeah, so we're veteran-founded, veteran-operated, and we have three of us that were in the Navy. One of those three is still actually active duty for a couple more years. And then we have a fourth guy who was a Merchant Marine, kind of close enough, we, we allowed him to join the company and join our ranks. All right. Would you hire someone who wasn't a veteran? That would be tough. Um, we're, we're not against it. And we have some people helping us out who are uh, not directly military, uh, but they have some military affiliation. So that helps as well. Okay. You're in, so you're in the military and mm -hmm. you have this epiphany. You start thinking about what am I going to do when I'm done? How did you get to a place? Well, actually, let's back up. Let's go to the end of the movie. Give us, <laughs> give us, give us the size and scale of Fairwinds today. Today we're sitting at about four hundred units uh, that we um, have under management ourselves, and we got started at the end of twenty twenty. Yeah, December of twenty twenty. So in just under two years, we've scaled to about 400 doors. Wow. What approximate asset value? Oh, um, about 60, maybe 65 million. Okay. And so you're, a pandemic happens, you're in the military. How did, how did you get started with your first deal? Yeah. Good question. I like to tell everyone, no matter the market, there's always a deal around. You just have to adjust your guidelines and, and your concept of what a good deal looks like. And uh, we were in the Hampton Roads market, southeastern Virginia. No, well, where, Norfolk. Yeah, yeah, Norfolk. That's where uh, I mean, my partners linked up uh, through a real estate networking event. That's where we served. And uh, they knew the area. Uh, quite well there, already started building a portfolio in the area, primarily a small multifamily and res, uh, single family residential. And when I met them, uh, we started talking about immediately about going into 20 plus units. And we knew the market, we knew the contractors, we knew the prices, we knew what was possible and, and what looked good. And so we jumped into a 23 unit portfolio it was five properties, four different sellers. And some of that was even in the MLO, a master lease option. And we put it all into one syndication to jumpstart the syndication track. And uh, we actually just sold, let's see, 23 units. We've got an eightplex left. We sold everything else. So 15 units that we sold in the last year and a half, year and a half, two years now. Yeah. 
been two years. So we've already returned all of the investor capital and everything else has been pure profit, uh, looking in the about 30% cash on cash range over a couple of years. So not too shabby for a small first deal. So you mentioned that you had raised money through a syndicate mm-hmm. for this deal. <clears throat> no one knows you guys. You're just, you're just Navy officers. How did you find people to invest? How did, did you hire a broker? And how did you convince them that you guys were going to be, your money's going to be safe with us? We've never done this before, but we know what we're talking about. Yeah, good question. So, you know, it wasn't that we had no experience. I had no experience. My team had experience. And so between my other partners and our property management team, um, my other partners had experience buying properties and, and managing them and rehabbing them and delivering returns on them. So uh, those were just smaller properties. And so we were able to show this is effectively the same principles and just all condensed into one portfolio. And so we're able to um, minimize the risk right, and uh, diversify the, um, uh, yeah, really diversify the risk across one part, one portfolio, multiple tenants and show that, okay, you can do the same thing in single family, or you can um, really do better in multifamily. So we brought in family and friends that we had spoken to that knew us and already had some sort of proclivity to invest in. Some of them had real estate investing experience, some of them did not. And we explained to them what we can do and, and showed them what was possible. And nothing was outlandish. It wasn't like we were trying to sell snake oil of any sort. It was everything that made sense. Rehab the units, bring them to market rent, and just run it well with a trusted property manager. And that's exactly what we did. Got it. And the other deals that you've done, have you you, uh, done through family and friends raise, or have you gone outside of the family and friends world now? Yeah, since then, our, our most recent three deals have been mostly um, 506C deals where we've been able to solicit accredited investors from uh, all over the U.S. Got it. And so ha- how has that process been in trying to attract uh, accredited investors? It's been good. Uh, a lot of learning along the way. It's, you know, when you're... Raising capital, generally, you need people to know, trust, and like you. And so that's one of the reasons I'm on this podcast and many other podcasts now is to get people to know me, uh, as well as to build that trust and hopefully like me, if you like the story, you like who I am and what I'm about. And we found that uh, some people are uh, very quick to know, trust, and like us through a variety of reasons, whether they've heard of us already or they know somebody that already knows us, um, or they come in through um, fellow capital raisers, whatever the case is. Or in other cases, uh, they really want to do a deep dive into our background, into our track record, get to know us for a few months. We've had um, investors who have said they really like us, but they'd like to get to know us over a longer period of time before investing with us. And we've had others who invested with us within a week of getting to know us. Uh, so it's definitely been an interesting experience. For sure. 
uh, raising money is an interesting experience. Uh, the <clears throat> so one of the things you said before, and I think it'd be a good education point for the listeners. You mentioned an MLO, a master lease option. So can you explain to everyone what a master lease option is? Yeah, master lease option is basically like a, a rent to own setup where you lease a property from the landlord and have a master lease on it. So you run the entire property and you pay the landlord a specific rent, a specific lease amount. Otherwise you're fully responsible for the property. So um, you're responsible for the daily care. It's, it's as though you own it without having the deed and without having uh, your name on the property records for property taxes and all that. Sure. And how long was that master lease? That master lease was two years. So that's the other piece two. of a master lease option. Uh, the option is that you have the uh, a pre-negotiated option to purchase the property at a price that you agree upon upfront. And so we had set that price upfront knowing that we were going to be able to um, improve the quality of the property and therefore improve the price above that negotiated price. And so no matter what, we were going to be able to come out ahead. And that's the nice thing about the option is that if for whatever reason it doesn't work out, you can just walk away and you don't have to hold on to the property. Very cool. How, how are you guys, you know, seeing the market now and finding deals given all the rate increases and everything going on in the world these days? Yeah, it's certainly tough. Uh, the, the market is fluctuating way more rapidly than it normally does. And especially with uh, the Fed, I think they just posted today that they upped the rate by 75 uh, basis points. So, yeah. Yeah, we're in time is like six and a quarter now. Mm -hmm. Yeah, have in have you seen to 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 this point as you're evaluating deals? Have you seen prices move on deals? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, we were actually um, on a deal where uh, the price went down in the middle of the PSA and middle of the contract by over a million bucks on a low twenty million dollar deal. Yeah, we're seeing it go down all over the place. Got it. Okay. Uh, Very cool. So I got a question for you. I I was fascinated by the 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 veteran owned piece Mm -hmm. and the whole that you guys are vet owned because as I go to real estate conferences and you, you sit there and you talk to people If you went to any of these places or you just took a poll of the industry. I don't know if they have, I've been be fascinated to know you, the number of veterans in the, in the commercial real estate space. Anecdotally, it feels super light, not only on the ownership side, but working for large companies, you know, we have 130 employees. We have an open to buy of, uh, uh, you know, 15 or 20 uh, positions and the amount of vets that apply through are low. And I'm wondering one, why that is. And two, you know, if you were me and you wanted to 
attract more vets, what, what would you do? Yeah, those are good questions. So I'll comment on, on the anecdotal evidence about, you know, not many military in the commercial real estate space. So I'm, I'm uh, in a unique space where I actually came into commercial real estate through a bi-military, four-military commercial real estate investing education program. So I actually know a lot of military folks in the commercial real estate space. Uh, though, where is that the, program? How do I talk to these people? Yeah, what is this program. Yeah, it's called Active Duty Passive Income, and it's run by a bunch of folks that used to be active duty, and actually just in the last few years have all transitioned to to being uh, civilians and being out of the military. And uh, I think your anecdotal evidence is true. You know, just by raw numbers, only one percent of the U.S. population serves or has served in the military. And so by default, you only have so, you know, the pool is only so large in the first place. And of that pool, people who go into the commercial real estate space is even smaller. And so, you know, even if we say possibly that 1% of the commercial real estate world is military, well, then that's still pretty small. And so that, that speaks to your anecdotal evidence. Uh, however, within that pool of I think, military folks in the commercial real estate space, it's probably quite tight-knit. And you know, anytime we, we find out about each other, it, it, there's an immediate bond because we recognize the military experience we all come from. And uh, it's, it's full of integrity, diligence, and strong work ethic. And so we know whenever we do anything with somebody that has military experience that we're, we're pretty confident it's going to work out just fine. Um, we, we try not to beat around the bush. We get straight to the point. We get the work done. So, uh, say you guys get bigger, yeah, and you need an analyst. You need yeah. an analyst, right? Or you need a property manager, yeah, right. Are you going to go to the military to hire that those folks? Will that be your first place to look? You know. Yes and no. So I wouldn't just go to somebody in the military with no real estate experience and go, hey, I'm going to hire you and I'll train you up. I would probably choose them actually from the bi-military, four-military group I'm in that's focused on commercial real estate because then I know that they have both. They have the military experience and they have the real estate experience, whether it's just through the education piece or They've been building up the experience themselves. You know, there, there are a few guys that I can think of off the top of my head who are really, really, really good uh, underwriters. And they didn't necessarily have the experience before they joined this education program, but they have the analytical mindset and they understand how to break things apart and how to think about things in a very um, analytical manner. And they have that military experience to uh, be able to touch different responsibilities on the team. And so you know that uh, when you bring somebody in, especially with military experience, you might have them slotted for that one role, but if you really need them to, they'll be able to step into any of the other roles to some degree and help out the entire team at any given moment. I think that's one of the things that I really enjoy about working with my team is that we're all able to really step into each other's roles as necessary, though we are focusing on really 
owning our lanes of responsibility, right? Because you need focus. Sure. At the same time, you know, I was on vacation for the last couple of weeks. My team stepped up no problem to cover anything I would have been missing over those two weeks. And just having that inherent trust and that kind of work ethic where you know your team's going to take care of you. And the same thing goes for when any, any of the guys on my team go on vacation or have anything come up. We, we take care of business. Don't worry about it. Go enjoy yourself and don't worry about anything on this side. And so I think one of the ways to really, uh, to your second question about how to attract military people to your team is, one, let them know that you're trying to attract military people to your team. Uh, if, if you put it out there, they will come. It's not just for military, it's for, for anything in life. If you let people know what you want, one way or another, it'll come to you. Um, and then from there, it's just a matter of um, having the right reputation. And if you get one, just one military person into the company and they like it, they're going to tell everyone else they know in the military and it'll just be a chain effect. Um, got it. Well, after this, I'd love to find out a little bit more about that organization, if you don't mind, yeah. and uh, I just do some homework on it at a minimum. So, yeah, happy to share. Uh, thank you. What else, Vadim? We've been chatting for a while. What else haven't we talked about that we should talk about? You know, a couple of big things I like to talk about is knowing your why, being clear with your why, and then caring about everything you do. And I think when a lot of people come asking me for advice about how to get started in the real estate space and which way to go and, you know, which teams to work with and how to, it's all, it's a lot of very detail focused, um, I guess, um, questions about just getting started in the real estate space. And I always uh, ask them to pause and really clarify, or do you know what your why is? Why do you want to be in the space? And that'll help you determine whether, okay, you want to go into short-term rentals, whether you want to be in commercial real estate and you want to do multifamily. And then what kind of multifamily? Do you want to be in retail? What kind of retail? All of that will be clear once you are clear with what your mission is. When you know what your why is and the impact you want to make in uh, your life and on this world, that'll help you choose the next steps to take and which way to go. That's actually all based on um, personal experience where I was trying to figure out what to do in the military a few years ago, so it was 2019. And I ran into an old supervisor of mine and I asked him, hey, you know, do you recommend I stick in my current military specialty or, or switch to a different military specialty? And he asked me two simple questions. First was, well, what did you want to do before you joined the Navy? I, I don't know. I just chose it so I could, I didn't have to think about anything else. So, okay, mm -hmm. well, that makes sense. Like, I can see how that's been tough for you to figure out what to do next. Well, what do you want to do when you get out? Yet again, I don't know. I'm, I'm asking you for advice. I said, well, I can't help steer you. You know, I can't help you navigate where to go if you don't know where you're trying to go. Very, very simple, right? If you don't know where you're trying to go, then every direction is, is right. And so sure. I had to meditate 
uh, over the next few months, I spent uh, three months meditating on the question, what does my ideal life look like? And that question really helped me clarify that I want to make a positive exponential impact on the world. I want to do it without worrying about my own financial situation, without worrying about my own family's finances. And ultimately, I want to be wherever, um, wherever, whenever, doing whatever I want. All that really tied into primarily helping others live their best lives as well. And so from there, I was able to choose multifamily real estate because really the bigger the project, the more people I get to help with roughly the same amount of effort. You know, whether I do one single family or I get to do a hundred unit apartment complex, roughly I'm putting in about the same amount of effort to get the deal done. And so with that 100 unit complex, I get to impact a hundred different families. I get to positively impact the staff that works on site. I get to positively impact the general contractors that help us do the rehab. Um, all the partners that are involved, uh, just getting the deal together and running the business for the life of the deal, as well as lenders, insurance agents, everyone that gets to be involved. That's just one large deal at a time instead of one small deal at a time. And then with that, I've got ideas about how to further positively exponentially impact the people that live in my communities, on my properties, bringing um, basically uh, financial education to my properties, bringing life coaching to my properties where you don't just get a place to live and Yes, it's a nice, safe place to live, but you're going to get more than that. You're going to get something that will actually set you up for the rest of your life. Because I found that it's not enough for us to say this is the land of equal opportunity. It's also a matter of having uh, equal exposure to opportunity. And certain communities, just by the nature of just having less access to that opportunity, that means they're going to have to work that much harder to get to the next level because they just don't know what they don't know. And I was in that boat. And I think many of us were in that boat where we just don't know what we don't know about, especially finances and investing. And so if we can help just put that information and you know, make that information more readily accessible, especially uh, in the comfort of your own home, so to speak, uh, in the comfort of the apartment community you live in, well, now that little bit of education is going to pay dividends down the road because now I've helped a hundred families all at once who are already on site, already doing better because they get to live at one of my properties. Now I get to do exponentially better because now they have um, information at their fingertips that they can actually put to use in their lives. Very cool. So at all your properties, you have or some of your properties, you have uh, personal finance education? Not yet. That's in the works. It's one of my pet projects that I'm still putting together. Yeah. That'll be cool. You pull mm -hmm. that off. I haven't seen that in the apartment buildings that I know. So that'll be cool. Uh, you do. What does that look like in your head? How do you see that going? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, I've uh, partnered with a group that already have the education piece together. And so we're going to be discussing how to actually implement that on site, something along the lines of 
can do weekly or monthly coaching on site um, or, you know, coaching or some sort of like um, uh, presentation on a key piece of financial education, doing perhaps a weekly uh, financial newsletter for the property, uh, perhaps even a um, on-site podcast. So doing um, basically a podcast like this just for the property itself, uh, maybe on a monthly basis to help the residents get to know each other and, and recognize that they're all going through some of the same quote-unquote financial struggles and, and financial um, uh, ignorance. Are are the are the the well? What type of properties and what type of markets are you investing in? So we're currently in Hampton Roads in Houston, Texas, and we're primarily in the B and C class uh, property styles and and B um, markets. Got it. <clears throat> okay. Uh, very cool. You mentioned you had. Uh, something else you, you typically talk about, uh, and, and what's that, Nadine? Yeah, so it's, it's caring, and that actually ties back into what I've already mentioned, is that bring that kind of level of care where if you simply just take care of the property, bring in property management that actually responds to resident requests for anything that's broken, anything that could be improved, uh, basic care, basic maintenance, uh, just being there for the residents, um, providing community events. We have a property in Houston where the property management team has been uh, running community events on site since about three months after we took over. And we've already had, I think just about every event, there's about a third of the community that shows up. And uh, they've all said they absolutely love the events. They love the community aspect. Uh, they love that the property management team is actually engaged and present, and they're still wondering what the catch is, or the catch is that we want you to be happy. We want you to enjoy where you live, and you know, if, if there is a catch, it's really that, well, now there's less turnover, and so that's less effort for us in the long term. That's We get to focus on establishing and maintaining an existing community instead of just having a bunch of constant turnover because people are just there to have a place to stay and then move on to a better place. And so that kind of care really, I think, is a two-way street. If you show your residents you care and you show your property management team you care, they're all going to be willing to step up a little bit more and, and take care of the property as well. They're going to be willing to take care of each other. And it's another way to make this, this whole world a better place. Cool, man. Anything else we haven't discussed yet that you think uh, we should discuss? Oh, that's that's a big rabbit hole. We could we could talk about a lot of things. <laughs> I'm sure we can um, talk about a lot of things. Yeah, no, I'll, I'll um I'll leave it there for now, and I'm sure we could do another podcast uh, another time when when there's a burning question or a burning topic. Well, Nadine, this is great. I am going to reach out to see how I can get connected to that organization. Uh, what's the name of it again? Active duty, passive income. Active duty, passive income. And it's, it's by military for military. You said, yeah, yeah. We'll actually be hosting the very first conference uh, for the organization in New Orleans in a month. End of October. Oh, really cool. 
I'd love to get connected to it. Anyway, thank you so much. Uh, really cool story. And uh, good luck. Thanks, Chris. Take care. Thank you for listening to Retail Retold. If you want to share a story about a retail real estate deal that you were a part of on our show, please reach out to us at retailretold at dlcmgmt.com. This show highlights the stories behind the deals from all perspectives, so it doesn't matter if you are a retailer, broker, entrepreneur, architect, or an attorney. Also, don't forget to subscribe to Retail Retold so you don't miss out on next Thursday's episode.